This audio recording is presented by New City in downtown Orlando. This morning's scripture reading is from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 15, verses 1 through 10. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. This is God's word. Thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated. Well, good morning uh, again. As always, I'm honored to be here. You know, when I first got here, there was no one in here, and I thought, well, they heard me preach last week. They didn't come back. I'm sorry. Um, Then I realized there were city kids bashing. That's where everybody was. And you're late, which is fine, because that's how we are, too. So... um, so this past week, um, we had VBS all week. Um, there's a picture, hopefully, um, back there. There we go. Um, this was a little bit of the, the chaos. Uh, last day, we, um, we did uh, lunch uh, for uh, all the parents and had the kids sing uh, some songs that they learned um, and all that. So I want to give you a picture of uh, my last week. And uh, a little weary, uh, but very excited. This uh, today, actually, when I go... Uh, down there, we're having uh, the same, uh, invited all the parents and for the kids to, to perform the sing um, again. So uh, be praying for us because uh, this sermon um, happened to fall on this day and it's uh, an opportunity for us to really share the gospel uh, in, a, in a, um, a way that I hope affects uh, everyone that hears it. So um, thank you all for those of you who prayed uh, for us. We made it and uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, so, uh, that's, uh, that was this past week for us. Um, so I'm going to transi- transition back, uh, into our text. Um, we continue on in Luke. Um, do you have a friend, uh, who just loves you like crazy? Do you know that friend, um, that, that no matter what happens, um, they will have your back, right? Um, they won't stab you in the back. They won't leave your side. Um, it doesn't matter if, if you're on top of the world um, or if you're in the deepest depression, right? Uh, that friend is there uh, with you. I have a friend like that. Um, and, and what's crazy is uh, he's not just a friend like that to me. Uh, he's a friend like that to everybody that knows him. He's got this reputation, actually, that goes uh, ahead of him. 
Uh, it's a good reputation, not, not a bad reputation, uh, but it precedes him and people know him. People say, man, I've, I've heard a lot about you uh, before they uh, even meet him. Uh, you see, on his way to uh, get coffee in the morning, uh, he hangs out uh, with his friend uh, that has no place to lay his head at night. Um, he hangs out with this guy. He, um, he's listened to his whole story, how he ended up uh, on the streets, how he ended up in his situation. He's even spent the night with the guy on the street. Um, that's how much of a friend he is. He's prayed with him. He's found food for him. He walks with him in life. Um, he's a friend of this man. And, and so then he goes on. He, he gets to the restaurant where he's going to have his coffee and his breakfast. Uh, and he meets a, a friend who's a lawyer. He's got a lot of money, right? Uh, everything uh, seems really great. He provides for his family. But, um, but the lawyer's gone a lot, right? Not around. Uh, and so as they get to talking, uh, this uh, this lawyer mentions me, and my marriage is hurting. Um, I, I'm struggling not to feed my addiction to pornography, but he's a friend to that lawyer in that moment. He meets him for coffee so that he can talk about what's really going on um, in his life. It's a place where he can confess uh, to this friend uh, everything that's going on. Uh, after spending time with the lawyer, he, he leaves the coffee shop and um, he walks outside and is uh, approached uh, by a woman that he knows already, but she, uh, she's always ready to sell her body. She's a prostitute. Um, but instead of shaming her, uh, this friend um, accepts her. Instead of refusing to look her in the eye, he looks at her, treats her uh, with dignity. He buys her lunch. He listens to her story of how she got to that place. Um, the woman almost doesn't know what to do, right, with that kind of uh, love and acceptance because she's never experienced that before. Uh, then he leaves uh, spending time with her, and he makes it to the store uh, where he's going to go shopping, um, and he sees another friend. It's a, it's a mom uh, with two kids, uh, and of course, as you know, a mom with two kids in the grocery store uh, never goes well. But on top of that, she's a single mom. She um, just got done working all night long, right? Uh, and uh, now she's just trying to get groceries when all she wants is her bed and a glass of wine. Um, one kid's in the grocery cart uh, throwing out everything the mom puts in, right? If you have kids, you know what I'm talking about. Um, the other uh, kid is running down the next aisle screaming, no, right? You know that story. Um, and uh, the mom is just beside herself. She's already spanked the kids a couple of times. She buries her head in her hands, right, um, at her wit's end, trying to figure out what to do. Uh, but my friend starts picking up the scattered food, and he runs after uh, the, the running boy, his screaming child. Um, but worn out, tired, frustrated, this mom thanks her trusted friend for loving her in the midst of her mess. And then that friend hangs out with me, spends time with me, the preacher, um, the guy who's been married and divorced and remarried, the guy who has struggled with addiction, the guy who's insecure about who he is, the guy who gets angry when his kids don't do what he says, um, who still struggles to know how to lead his family. But my friend hears me, listens to my story, and he loves me in the midst of my mess. Well, that's Jesus. That's Jesus, right? Our passage says, now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him. Why? Why were all the sinners and tax collectors drawing near to this guy who's Jesus? Because Jesus receives sinners and eats with them. That's why. Jesus welcomes sinners 
that would be the title of my sermon uh, if I did that type of thing. Jesus welcomes sinners. There was something so attractive about Jesus that, that everyone uh, was running to hear from him. Everybody was running to hear from him and to sit down and, and eat a meal with him. And he didn't turn anyone away. He sat down with them, treated people like people. He loved them. So, so what happened? Why doesn't this happen in the church anymore? <laughs> um, if the church is a place where people are supposed to hear about Jesus, why aren't we attractive like that anymore? Um, why is it that when people hear the name of Jesus, uh, they often run in the other direction? <laughs> Been there, done that. Maybe I got the t-shirt. Hopefully it doesn't say New City Paramore Ave on it, but maybe I got the t-shirt and now I want nothing to do with it. No. Because what's really happening is they're, what they're really hearing, what they're experiencing when they comes, come in the doors of the church, it's not Jesus. It's the Pharisees. It's the heart of the Pharisees. That, that's what they're hearing. They're hearing the Pharisees who mutter, uh, who complain, it says, that Jesus welcomes sinners and eats with them. Can you believe that? Right? That's their... That is their mindset. I read a tweet this morning, actually. It said this. Don't expect music, creative lighting, cultural relevance to do what only preaching Christ crucified can do. See, right? Because what, what makes us attractive um, is, is not those things. What makes us attractive is that Jesus actually welcomes sinners. That is who he is. That is what he does so I wanted us to dig down uh, underneath that uh, this morning. I've only got two points for you. It's really simple. The lie of religion and the truth of the gospel. The lie of religion and the truth of the gospel. Have you ever believed something so much um, that, that when you find out that it's not true, uh, you actually still believe the lie for a little while, right? You just, you're like, no, that can't possibly be wrong. And you just keep on believing it. You, know, you have trouble letting it go. Well, I think that's how a lot of us are about Christianity. Um, I think that we believe a lie. Uh, and even when we know the truth in our minds, uh, we live out the lie uh, every single day. Here's the lie. Ready? Here's the lie. I become a Christian by being a good person. I become a Christian by cleaning up my life so that God will accept me. I become a Christian by being religious. I can be good enough for God if I just try a little harder. I stay a Christian uh, by following the rules. I stay a Christian by not messing up. But if I mess up, then God doesn't love me anymore. That's a lie. <laughs> but every one of us, even, even, if you don't, even if you know in your mind that's not true, uh, we live our lives as though that is true. We believe that lie um, every day. Listen, that was what the Pharisees were teaching. If you follow the law, you'll be right with God. If you don't follow the law, well, you won't. And that's why they were so frustrated at Jesus. If Jesus was God's teacher, how was he hanging out with all these sinners and tax collectors and prostitutes and whoever all else? You can't possibly hang out with those guys and call yourself a man of God. The Pharisees would say, you gotta separate yourself from those people. You can't be and hang out uh, with those people. And so here's the heart of the lie that the Pharisees were selling. The heart of the lie was, is that it's up to you to make yourself good enough for God. And you know that you've been good enough for God um, if you can follow all the rules. That was the Pharisees' thing. So the lie is that we believe we could ever live up to God's standard. That's, that's what they were believing. And so we make a list of rules to follow. right? So that way, when, when we fo follow our own rules, we feel so good about ourselves. 
right? Um, and when we're following them and others aren't, uh, what do we get to do? We get to shine a light on all of their problems so we can feel better about ourselves too. So this is our self-righteousness. But when we don't follow the rules, our own rules, what, what happens? Man, we start to feel guilty, really guilty. Uh, but we can't tell anyone that we're struggling uh, because then people would know that we're failing, that we're not living up to our own rules. And so what do we do? We talked about it this morning already. We run and hide in the dark. We're afraid of the light because the light exposes us. And we're afraid that if we have to tell the honest truth, um, we'll be shunned and we'll be shamed. And so we run away and we hide, but we keep holding on to this lie that I gotta follow the rules. And so we keep telling other people, follow the rules um, or else God uh, won't love you, right? Unfortunately, um, this lie of religion, I think is what the church often preaches as the truth. And it makes us really unattractive. And that's turned the church um, into a place where people don't wanna come. It's, it's a place of rules. Um, listen, uh, in Paramore Ave, I fight this all the time. Um, it's a place where you've gotta say the right things. Um, and so, uh, well, you know, pastor, I'm feeling so blessed. <laughs> no, you're not, and that's okay. Um, or, uh, you know, someone will let a little word fly in front of me, and oh, oh, oh I'm sorry, oh, excuse me. Um, and I think, well, gosh, if you only heard me um, on a daily basis, uh, language, right? The place of rules. Don't, don't say this, say these things. Um, that's what it means. Um, the other day, uh, uh, there was a, a parent who's hopefully coming today and she said, uh, well, who, what, what kind of church are you? And, uh, I said, well, Presbyterian. Oh, I have no idea what that means. The following question though was, um, well, is there a dress code? <laughs> I said, absolutely not. Um, that's a beautiful thing. Um, and yet that was her perception, right? There's a dress code. There's got to be a dress code. I'm coming to church. I've got to look um, a certain way. Uh, the church has become a place of rules, a place of uh, talking about certain things. Um, so we talk about uh, the things that, that are okay to talk about, but we don't talk about hard things. Uh, we don't talk about things that we're struggling with. The church uh, has become a place to fake it as a result of believing the lie uh, of religion. The church is a place where we fake it. We put on a mask. If it's all about following the rules, uh, then everyone is trying to make it look like we're following the rules. <laughs> but no one is being honest about how we struggle because we're not able to confess um, that. And so then we struggle with the same sins. We all are hiding in the dark, um, acting like we've got it all together, but really um, we're all just struggling in our own uh, little area. And so we can't come as we are. That's what, the church, that's what happens to the church. We've gotta come all prettied up, uh, looking a certain way. And so at the end of the day, um, here's the church. It's a dead place. And it's really unattractive uh, to people. Maybe, maybe that's all you've ever heard of, uh, of Christianity for your whole life. Um, for a while, uh, you might be able uh, to pull it off, right? You can follow all the rules, and man, it feels so good uh, when you're following all the rules, uh, because you can point and say, look, I'm honoring God with everything that I'm doing. Um, but what eventually happens? Uh, we grow tired and weary, um, and then you mess up once. Then you mess up twice. And then by the thousandth time of messing up, you're like, you know what? I can't keep it together. And so uh, while everyone is, is shaming you for failing, um, eventually you burn out. You say, forget it, I'm never going back. Um, I wonder if you have friends like that. 
I wonder if you're like that. You've been burned um, by the church and what it says. Um, well, I wanna tell you that you might've been believing a lie this whole time. You might've been believing a lie, but God uh, would want something different for you. You know, there's a, um, there's a gospel hip hop artist um, at Paramore Ave. I'm actually gonna play the song, but I don't know if you all are ready for that, okay? Um, the name of the song is uh, Dear Mr. Christian. He says this, Dear Mr. Christian, I know you're on a mission. I know you say the answer to my problem is religion. I know I'm supposed to change the way I live and stop sinning, but I'd appreciate it if you'd take some time to listen. What is he saying? <laughs> he goes on to tell stories of real people. He, uh, he tells his own story. Other guys tell their stories and how they ended up uh, in the place that they did, uh, not because one day they woke up and said, you know what, I know what's right and I know what's wrong and so I'm just gonna go this way, um, but because their life um, has a story. And so as they hear uh, from a, a preacher maybe, you need to stop doing that. Get your life together. Um, they say, where do I even start? I can't, I can't do it. I don't have the energy. I don't have the ability to, to, to get it together. Um, I don't have that. And so he says, you say the answer to my problem is religion. And I'm saying this morning, that's a lie. And that's what he's saying. He says, I know I'm, I'm supposed to change the way that I'm living. I'm supposed to change the fact that I'm sinning. And I'm here to tell you, that's a lie. You can't do it um, on your own. And so that is the lie of religion. Do these things, don't do these things, um, and God will love you. So, of course, the question then is, what's the truth? What is the truth? How do we stop um, believing the lie? So second this morning, the truth uh, of the gospel. The truth of the gospel is this. Jesus welcomes sinners and eats with them. That's the truth of the gospel. Tim, Tim Keller uh, says it this way. The gospel is this. We are more sinful than we ever dared uh, believe, and yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. See, I think a lot of us know that, but we don't believe it. We are more sinful than we ever dared believe, and yet at the very same time, we are more loved and accepted in Jesus than we ever dared hope. And this passage uh, shows us that. So let me, let me start by talking about we're more sinful than we ever dared hope. You see, Jesus tells us two stories, right? He tells us the story of a lost sheep and a, and a lost coin. And, and we're supposed to identify ourselves as the sheep and the coin because they show us uh, two different ways that we are utterly lost, all right? First, the coin. I'm gonna start with the coin. See, the coin shows us that we are absolutely helpless. See, a lost coin can't move, can it? Um, maybe this woman, uh, I don't know if she had it in a jar uh, and, and it fell out, but once it fell out, uh, remember, it, it can't do anything to get back in the jar, right? It's a coin. It's not alive. It had to be found. So if I had a quarter and I, I drop it on the ground, um, I can't yell out to it, hey, get back in my pocket. It's not gonna do it, right? It's not going to do it. It can't. And the point is, is what? We are more sinful than we ever dared imagine. The reason Jesus uses the example of a coin is because he's trying to show us that our hearts are so helpless. Um, the Bible says that our hearts are, are actually, they're not just sick, um, but they're dead, it says. And so even if we just mess up one time in our life, um, our hearts are dead um, and we're separated uh, from God. 
So second, uh, the sheep, the coin showed us that we're helpless. The sheep shows us that we're aimless. The sheep shows us that we're aimless. We wander. Um, even when sheep have a, have a shepherd watching out for them, taking care of them, um, <clears throat> they still wander away. Even when someone is showing them the way to, to green grass, um, they'll find that green grass and then they'll just keep on going <laughs> to another pasture, trying to find uh, their own uh, green grass. And, but that runs out and then wolves are coming to get them um, because they're all alone. Unless someone is there to guide them, to lead them, to find them, to bring them to uh, a new patch of grass and to protect them uh, from their enemies. What's the point? The point is we're sinful. The point is we mess up so much. The point is uh, that we sin a lot, that we offend God a lot, and we do it a lot more than we ever even imagined. We sin so much, uh, we don't even know half the time (laughs) that we're doing it. You don't believe me. I don't believe it, right? I want to say um, that I've got it. I want to say, no, that's ridiculous. I'm not uh, really that bad. Well, check out what Jesus says. You see, Jesus says, uh, earlier uh, in the book of Matthew, actually, he says, you know, it's bad uh, to murder someone. You know that. Um, and everyone answers, well, of course, we know that. Um, but then Jesus says, well, let me, let me tell you that you can actually murder someone without actually taking their life away. What? Jesus, come on. And Jesus replies, you know what? If you hate somebody um, in your heart, then you've already murdered them. And then he says, well, you know, you, you know you're not supposed to cheat on your spouse, right? And everybody, of course, of course, Jesus, we know that. Um, but then Jesus says, well, let me tell you that you can cheat on somebody without actually doing the deed. He says, you can cheat on them just by looking at someone else um, and cheating in your mind. Well, come on, Jesus, that's ridiculous, right? I mean, everybody hates people in their heart. Everybody lusts in their heart. If that was true, then everybody would be guilty. Exactly. Right? Exactly. Jesus is trying to show us it's about our hearts. It's, it's not about our actions. See, we can look really good on the outside, but on the inside, um, our hearts are just a mess. And Jesus calls those out too. He says, you know what? Those are just whitewashed tombs. They look great on the outside, uh, but on the inside, um, they're dead. There's no life. And so the lie of religion says, you're not really that bad, right? You can fix yourself up. You're not really that lost. Um, just follow some rules and, and you'll get right with God. The truth of the gospel says this. We're all really messed up. And by we, I mean me too. The preacher. I'm not holier than anybody else. Um, just as broken. Just as broken. But see, the gospel keeps going. The gospel says this. We're far worse than we could ever imagine. That's the bad news. But the good news is, and yet... We are more loved and accepted in Jesus than we've ever hoped. More loved and accepted in Jesus than we've ever hoped. Look again at the two stories. In verse four, Jesus says, you know, suppose one of you has 100 sheep and loses one of them. I apologize, I'm reading from the NIV. I'll read from the ESV. Uh, He says, uh, what man of you having 100 sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And then in verse 8, he says, or what woman having 10 silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? Jesus tells these stories because he's trying to show us that we are lost, but God is the finder. You see, the good news of the gospel is that God is a chaser. God is a pursuer. He chases after us. He's the shepherd. 
We're the sheep. He chases after us like a shepherd chasing after his missing sheep. He searches for us like someone who has lost their money. He lights up the whole house, turns over every couch cushion, every chair, every mattress, every table, whatever it takes until he finds that lost coin. See, we don't find God. He finds us. He finds us. And he finds us right in the middle of our mess. The coin might have had some dust on it, right? Might have been right next to some stale old food. He finds us there. The sheep, probably surrounded by wolves by the time uh, Jesus makes it to it. You see, because shepherd's job was not just to hang out with the sheep and keep them in a circle um, eating some grass, even though a lot of pictures that we see of shepherds, that's all they do. But look, shepherds were some rugged dudes, Shepherds um, had to protect their flock from the sheep, uh, from the wolves and the lions and whatever other animals uh, wanted to eat uh, the sheep for dinner. And so it's, it's very likely that, that when this shepherd goes after the sheep, um, it's being hunted. But if the, if the shepherd were to see the wolf, um, uh, he wouldn't say, well, it's not really worth it. Just one sheep. I don't really care. The story tells us that this shepherd is going to risk everything to save that one sheep. It's kind of like we're a hostage, held up in utter darkness, no idea what's going on. We have no hope um, unless someone chases after us. Uh, Jessica Buchanan was an aid worker um, in a a war-torn country about five years ago, and she was uh, helping raise awareness um, about how to avoid landmines. Um, in this war-torn country. And so one day she traveled to a a more dangerous part of the country to get some training on how to raise awareness. Um, Unfortunately, she she gets to where she's going, but on her way back, um, she's kidnapped um, by some pirates uh, who uh, take her captive. The man responsible for protecting her, the one who should have been her shepherd, um, sold her out. Uh, and, and, And the bounty on her was $45 million dollars. And so she and another captive were, were made to sleep on mats in the, in the middle of the desert for 93 days. Um, to add uh, insult to injury, she had a thyroid condition. Uh, she needed medicine every day, but of course she got none. So she starts to get um, a kidney uh, disease. She's desperate, alone, in the dark, no friends, nobody to find her. On the 93rd day, at night, she's worn out, tired, lying awake in the middle of the night, when all of a sudden the entire place erupts in gunfire. Um, she doesn't know what's going on. She thinks, oh, here we go again. I'm being traded for, uh, from one kidnapper uh, to another, and she thinks, I can't possibly uh, do this anymore. Um, but before she knows it, um, the blanket that's over her head trying to protect herself from the craziness that's going on is pulled from her face, And a man says her name, Jessica. She says, when she's recounting um, the story, she says, no one had said my name in over three months. I almost didn't know what to do. It sounded uh, so good. And so the man says to her, Jessica, we're here to save you. Um, We're here to take you home. You're safe now. That's the gospel. If we are his, God does whatever it takes to get to us. He does whatever it takes to find us because we're lost and hopeless. 
Uh, just like Jessica in the middle of that desert. Uh, no one, no hope. But, but God searches, finds. He loves us. He welcomes us with open arms. You see, we can't save ourselves. Religion can't save us. Following the rules doesn't save us. Only God can save us by sending Jesus to find us in the midst of our mess um, and then to die for us uh, while we are still sinners. See, Jesus welcomes sinners because sinners know they need a savior. Sinners know that they need a savior. And this passage tells us that, that God delights in doing that. God delights. He loves to find us. In verse 7 it says this. Jesus says, I tell you that in the same way there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. You want to make heaven sing? You want to make the angels sing? You don't have to perform for God. You don't have to follow the rules You don't clean up your life. You repent. You repent. That's how heaven sings. What does it mean to repent? Here's all it means. To acknowledge. (laughs) To know that you are lost. To be like Jessica, sitting in the um, dark, in the middle of that desert, having no hope, and saying, unless someone gets me, I'm going to die. Unless someone finds me, unless someone searches me out, I need someone else. See, repenting doesn't mean you stop sinning. Repenting doesn't mean you better get some of that religion. Repenting means Jesus finds you and saves you. Now, you might be sitting here thinking, well, I've done that um, a while ago. I repented one time. Right, uh, I came down the aisle, maybe, uh, or uh, uh, I was desperate in the middle of the night, um, And uh, I prayed to Jesus. And I say, that's great. Um, But listen, the truth of the gospel is that you'll always need the gospel. Uh, The truth of the gospel is that knowing that Jesus saves you um, and that you don't save yourself, it's not not like baby food. Um, And that once you've got that, then you move on to the real meat. Um, The gospel is the real meat. Eating real meat is just learning how to repent more. (laughs) Eating real meat is just getting to the end of yourself even more. Eating real meat is knowing um, that you are in desperate need uh, of a savior. Repenting uh, is recognizing that you're already loved and accepted um, because of Jesus. You don't have to perform for him. And you know what happens um, in repentance? There's, there's freedom. There's freedom from shame. You see, because uh, in the gospel, your identity is not, uh, well, did I do it right or did I do it wrong? Our identity is that Jesus did it right for you already. And there's no shame. You see, the friend who goes to the prostitute on the street or the homeless guy on the street uh, or the lawyer who's struggling uh, in his marriage or the mom uh, who needs help uh, with her kids or the pastor who's super insecure, um, there's freedom from shame. Because you have a friend who says, you're mine. I've already found you. You can't be lost again. I've already found you and I love you. You see, the irony of the passage is that there's no such thing as a righteous person who doesn't need to repent. (laughs) You notice that Jesus says uh, that heaven will rejoice more over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons uh, who need no repentance. Jesus uh, is not saying that there's some people out there who don't need to repent. Jesus is uh, making fun of the Pharisees. 
you know, who don't think that they need him. Um, and that unfortunately their destiny is not a good one. Because see, there's not uh, sinners uh, and righteous people. Um, there's sinners uh, and sinners saved by a righteous God. That's it. There's no uh, other way. There's sinners saved by Jesus. So see, the truth of the gospel is that repenting is beautiful. Repenting is how we grow. Um, it's freedom. Listen, imagine if the church uh, was not known for the lie of religion. That's my hope. That's my hope here. It's my hope uh, at Paramore Ave is that we would not be known um, for the lie of religion, but for the truth of the gospel, that we would have the freedom to be ourselves. We'd have the freedom to uh, take the mask off, uh, to confess our sin, um, because uh, we don't have to hide, because we've already been found. See, the call to worship this morning says that if we confess our sins, um, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins uh, and purify us from all unrighteousness. Repentance, confession, it's not a scary thing. It's a beautiful thing. It's a freeing thing. We can do it all the time. You see, Jesus welcomes sinners, uh, is what this passage says. Jesus welcomes sinners. What a place um, our church would be if we believed that truth, if we believed the truth of the gospel and rejected the lie uh, of religion. We would become uh, so attractive, not because of uh, our music or our lights um, or how great we look, but because our church um, smells like Jesus. Our church is a place where people walk in and they're knocked over um, by the freedom that people have uh, in the gospel. And so this morning, um, I would invite us um, to pray. I would invite us to pray uh, in, in the freedom of uh, repentance. I would invite us that there's, there's nothing that we can do um, that God uh, does not forgive us for. Um, and, and he says, come every single time. So let's pray this morning. Father, we thank you for Jesus. Father, we thank you that you sent him um, on a mission uh, to find us. Father, we thank you that you sent Jesus, um, who knew no sin, uh, Father, uh, to find us, to take on our sin and to give us um, his righteousness so that we would have uh, your identity, so that shame would not be the thing that holds us, and so that by that we can repent freely, uh, we can be uh, a place of freedom, a place where we can confess uh, our sin uh, to you and to one another. Father, would you uh, give us that freedom uh, in this church um, as a whole, that we would be a place uh, where people uh, come and experience the freedom of knowing that our identity is found in you. Holy Spirit, would you uh, do that in us? Would you uh, change us? Would you give us the boldness and the courage uh, to be uh, vulnerable and transparent uh, with you and with one another? Because when we do that, we find uh, that you welcome uh, sinners just like us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.